you think that by niching that you're limiting your your audience size but actually you're just really focusing people and so they know who they can refer you to this is the ideas lab podcast where you can learn from great creative and entrepreneurial minds how to turn your ideas into original businesses books and brands because in a crowded world it pays to stand out this is your host john williams best-selling author and founder of the ideas lab london Quitting your job to go and do something more creative or you really love doing sounds very tempting, but the reality of it is more complex. How do you transition from a full-time job that you're no longer enjoying to doing something you love full-time and getting paid for that? That is not usually a simple process. So I'm really glad that Dan Barker could make it on the podcast and tell his story of how he went from a job in mechanical engineering and transitioned step-by-step into becoming a successful photographer with his own studio. Along the way, he describes how he discovered what he wanted to do, how he started experimenting with it and got the confidence to explore his new hobby, and then how he made his first play check. And after that, scale it up to make more and more until he could safely walk out of his job and go full-time as a photographer. Dan was actually inspired in his journey early on by my first book, Screw Work, Let's Play. So it's great that when it came to reinventing and recreating that book under the new title, Fuck Work, Let's Play, that's being published on Kindle by Pearson on the 30th of August, that he could be included as one of the many case studies of people who are now getting paid to play after following the kind of principles I first wrote about. Hi, Dan. Welcome to the Ideas Lab podcast. Thanks, John. Good to be here. (laughs) Yeah, so we've got a, a, a bit of a history because we did some work together on your fledgling business. And when we first met, you were working as an engineer. What, what exactly were you doing? Yeah, I was working as an aerospace engineer. So I studied mechanical engineering at university and then uh, went into an aerospace engineering company. Um, ended up moving to, well, I did. I went to two more companies and uh, did that for 13 years in total before switching over to photography. So, so were you designing aeroplanes or something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was doing um, what they call stress analysis, which is like structural analysis. So they designed the parts and then we'd have to check if they were going to be strong enough, basically. Yeah, I did some of that in my physics HND, non-destructive testing and destructive testing or whatever. So um, why did you want to get out and become what you are now, which is uh, somebody running your own photography business? Um, I think... I got into a specific area of engineering that I I just wasn't really enjoying enough. Uh, I just wasn't behind it enough, really. Um, It was quite, you know, it was quite sort of behind the desk and just working through spreadsheets day in, day out, and, you know, just going to the same office every day. And I just wasn't loving it enough, really. So (laughs) I kind of always knew to an extent that I wanted to run my own business, but I never knew what that was going to be. So. Uh, so how did you how did you decide on photography then? Uh, well, uh, my wife used to have a women's clothes shop um, when I met her, 
and I um, we decided to have a website built at one stage for that. It was kind of by that point it was kind of struggling. You know, we had a baby on the way and um, and various things, but we decided to have this website built. And I thought oh, I'll buy a camera and do the product photography for it. Um, don't know why, just fancied the idea and uh, thought I could do it. So uh, I bought a camera and um, started enjoying it. And we closed the shop down actually not that long after after that period, within a year. Um, but just after that, I actually picked up a, a paying client for the first time. It wasn't a great deal of money, but it kind of made me think, oh, I can earn money um, from doing something that I actually really enjoy. <laughs> yeah, and this was the, um, I, I guess this is probably the client that we talk about in my book, uh, my new book, Fuck Work, Let's Play, and so we tell your story because it's a great example of how you how you transition from that moment, how you win your first paycheck, uh, which is d- getting paid for the first time, doing something you love. And how did you do that? Um, well, as I say, it was it was just after we closed the shop down, and my wife was actually buying some wine. We've got a really nice wine shop here in Ludbury where I live, and um, the the lady in there we knew from my wife's business, you know, from, from various things. And she said, Oh, we're having a website built and I've got to do this photography. I've got to take pictures of all the bottles and everything. I've got no idea where to start. And my wife said, uh, Oh, I'm sure Dan will come in and, and have a go. So, uh, I did, you know, there was nothing to lose. It was like, I'll just have a go. If I get something decent, then we can talk about it. And if not, no worries, you know? Uh, so I went and had a go and the results were, were good enough and, uh, ended up shooting about, 2000 bottles of wine i think in the next couple oh, wow. of months and uh yeah as i say not charging a great deal for it because i didn't feel that i could at the time but but you know it was good enough for them to get their, their website up and running and and you made a really interesting point when uh which we put in the book which is that you you might imagine when you're new to photography that everything must be a work of art and everything must be perfectly yeah. lit and what you realize is that actually it's just got to reach you know, for practical purposes, when you're doing 2,000 photos of bottles of wine, you've just got, it's just got to reach the quality bar that's right for them and for this project, you, which I think is quite an important point to make. Yeah, absolutely, because it's, it's easy to get hung up on thinking that something has to be absolutely perfect, doesn't it, and, and not, not shipping, I suppose, as they call it. Um, but actually, yeah, if you get something that, that does the job and it looks decent, then you know, that, that's good enough, isn't it? It's not like you're going to just, you know, become a photographer and the next day you're going to be shooting for, I don't know, Vogue magazine or something. <laughs> you know, even those those people have started somewhere, haven't they, and done work for, for people all the way along the scale. So so did you get this first client while you were still in your job as an engineer? Yeah, yeah I did, yeah. So what happened, um, we closed the shop down and we were actually, just before that, I'd... I'd quit my job and we'd gone and moved in with my in-laws just as a kind of last ditch effort to see if we could rescue the shop, but it was in slightly difficult financial position. And, um, we decided after a couple of few months that no, we needed to close it down. So we were left with quite a lot of debt after that. Um, so I basically had to go back and, uh, go back to the engineering job and, uh, work to pay that off. So, uh, that was so by that time I was back at the job and uh and doing that. So yeah, it was in engineering as I say, and uh they tend to work four and a half days a week, 
a lot of aerospace engineering companies, so you'd have Friday afternoon off. And um, I read your book, the uh, the first one. Uh, yeah, Screw, screw uh, play. Let's Play. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I read the bit about having a bit of playtime, giving yourself a bit of playtime, and I spoke to my wife and I said, look, you know, I really want to do something. I want to change something. And, and this is an idea that this guy's put forward in this book. And she kindly agreed to kind of vacate the house on a Friday afternoon so that I could have a bit of playtime and just kind of experiment with a few things. And, uh, and I remember reading your book and uh, kind of feeling really motivated by it one day and just getting up and saying, right, I'm going to get out and go and take some pictures and I don't care what anyone thinks. And, you know, <laughs> just kind of going for it. So. This is a funny thing, you know, because I had a couple of friends who were really into photography and um, and one of them was quite introverted and, and shy, and one of them was much more extroverted. And it was interesting. They they were not really very similar characters, uh, but they we met through this same uh, group workshop thing we did. And um, and they met up and they went on to take photographs together. Is it Julian and Jay? Julian being the more uh, the quieter guy, and. Uh, and Jay's like this really big, he's tall, like really big kind of barrel shaped guy who he was then. And, uh, and he would just walk around with his SLR of a giant lens, just sticking out, out of his chest and go like, uh, Hey Julian, uh, he's German. So I <laughs> do <a> German accent <laughs> goes, uh, yeah, you should take a photo of that. That'd be really cool. And Julian's like almost embarrassed to look like a pretentious photographer or something yeah, and, yeah. and be spending too long on one photo. And and he got Julie got a lot of inspiration from that to, to 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 kind of come out as a photographer. It's a weird thing, but particularly Julian's style was to stand over something for this is what it developed, developed over time. Stand over some tiny detail and take these art shots, which were uh, remarkable. In the end, he had all sorts of exhibitions, and uh, but there is that moment, isn't there, when you have to kind of go like, okay, I'm really going to stride around with a camera and yeah. look like I own it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, hope somebody doesn't nick it off me as well, which is another concern in <laughs> in London. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's true. I think I was a bit self conscious at first because probably, especially coming from an engineering background, and you kind of think that being a creative is this different thing that other people do, and that you're not a creative and don't be silly kind of thing. So yeah, I did feel a bit self conscious about it, and yeah, I wish I, I I don't remember exactly which part of your book it was, but I remember vividly one day when I was just feeling that kind of frustration I read I was reading a book and it just felt right really motivated and just got out and said right I'm going out I'm just going to take pictures and I don't care what anyone thinks and you know it just starts that sort of cycle doesn't it of of of, of getting to the point where you can go and do something and not not worry too much about what other yeah. people think <laughs> that's brilliant yes I have those moments as well reading other people's books yeah and and I remember when you know I started similar kind of story for me. I was a software engineer, and um, and then wanted to do all these creative things. And one of the early things I did, I had like six months out from my job. I got some redundancy from uh, my software job, and I went and um, and I told my story in a museum called the Museum of Me, which is in a. Um, quite well-known building on the South Bank behind Noxo Tower, which they filmed uh, a scene from 
Love Actually in. And uh, they turned it into a museum temporarily, uh, but it was a museum of people's personal stories. So I told my story um, uh, about some aspect of my life. And the most exciting moment for me was when the night before opening, they invited everybody to come to what was basically kind of a semi-derelict warehouse, but they they kind of deliberately made it cool by using a semi-derelict yeah. <laughs> warehouse. And we all had some sort of, we had drinks sitting around a table. And the, one of the organizers of the museum said, this is, introduced me to everyone and said, this is John Williams. He's one of the artists. And I went, somebody called me an artist. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, I would yeah. never have called myself such a thing. And when you come from, um, from the tech world, the idea, you know, what point are you allowed to call yourself an artist? And, and again, with my friends, Jay and Julian, like Jay did that right from the start. And Julian, if anything, probably had, you know, a stronger story to say, because he was taking much more kind of artistic and, and uh, you might call it shots. Um, and he was much more timid about that. There's a whole thing about, you know, when do you get to call yourself a creative or an artist? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I've had that exact same moment as you, actually. I remember um, it was actually the wine, same wine shop because I asked them if I could come in, this is really early days, and, and just shoot one of their events because they do some wine tastings and things. And uh, I remember, yeah, being in there and, and the owner introducing me and saying, oh, this is Dan, he's a photographer. And I was like, yeah, I guess <laughs> you yeah. almost want to say you almost kind of want to say no. I, I'm not really. I'm not really a photographer. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I take yeah. pictures. You've got to stop yourself, <laughs> haven't you? It's like yeah, you know, yeah. it's like me. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sort of a photographer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. you just got to bite your lip. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And and you um and, and we worked together for a while um one to one on your business and your brand and which became. And my website became danbarkerstudios.com, which looked looked pretty good right from the start. And now you've you've kind of um, niched a bit, haven't you? So what's your niche now? Yeah, so I've niched myself towards industrial photography, um, basically. So, yeah, the, the story with it is that um, I put out a post probably a couple of years ago on LinkedIn while I was still in my old job, just saying, what struggles has anyone had when booking a photographer? And someone randomly came back saying that they'd they'd struggled when it was a kind of engineering type application because the photographer hadn't really got the subject matter that they were uh, that they were shooting, and as a result, the photos just didn't quite do it justice, you know. And I sort of thought, oh, that's interesting because you know, as an engineer, perhaps I can I can bring the two together. Um, so does that mean that you've come back around? Because and it's funny how often this happens, right? People go, people have this job and they quit to go and do something completely different. They may imagine those two things are never going to meet. And then sometime a bit later, like a year or two, it's like, oh, actually, the two do kind of, like I thought I'd never use my tech skills ever again. And then I found like my entire life is spent operating online systems <laughs> and uh, that ability to kind of quickly learn technology and apps and and understand how sometimes it's quite helpful to understand how an app developer works so I, I can guess how it's going to operate even if it's not working according to the best kind of user experience and um, yeah it's been a really great competitive advantage for me so now when what kind of stuff are you taking photos of it's like you know bits of equipment and stuff yeah, right? so I'll quite often um, go to a factory and do a whole shoot around the factory for the whole day, um, shooting different parts, you know, different um, 
different sections and different processes and that sort of thing. Um, so that'll be for their website and, and brochures and sometimes their, their own internal training material and that sort of thing. Uh, and then also product photography as well, because I've done a fair bit of that. Um, I've got a, you can't see it from here, but I've got a decent sized studio space now where I am. Um, so yeah, I get products up here and, uh, and produce some nice product photography, but yeah, having that angle, it's, um, no, I, I, again, I've had the same thing cause someone mentioned it to me a few years ago. I just couldn't see how I could bring engineering and photography together. And, um, yeah, it's, it's taken a while and a bit of resistance because you think that by niching that you're limiting your, your audience size, but actually you're just really focusing people and so they know who they can refer you to and I've, I've really seen the power of it in the last kind of I suppose only the last six to eight months that it's really started to to, to show itself to me I've, I've been gradu- I gradually started moving things over about 18 months ago I suppose but uh, I, I kind of wish I'd have done that before leaving my job really I think <laughs> right and and I remember when you started you were you were doing quite a bit of business business photography and product photography you hadn't discovered in the industrial niche at that point. And what's, what's interesting to me is, you know, when you compare it to how most people start in photography, you know, they just say, I'll photograph anything, I'm desperate. But by actually focusing on businesses, first of all, they're a bit less price sensitive. There's a financial return for them. When you hire a photographer for your personal, um, you know, your dating profile or some, or your wedding, like, Yes, you want great photos, but you're not going to make the money. That money's gone and you're not getting it back. Yeah. Whereas in yeah. a business, if you take better photos and stick them on your website, it raises your brand profile and you actually make more money. So so that seems like a a good kind of focus. And and some of those product shots, I mean, they're not boring. They're, they're, they're gorgeous from what I remember. Uh, I haven't looked at your site actually recently, but, you know, really lovely, you know, lighting scenes and then also shots of people in their business, um, you know, nice kind of informal ones, not just people sitting at a desk in a suit, but like the way people do business now. Um, so, yeah, I think it's uh, that's a great thing to actually niche. How did you manage to extract yourself from your job completely then? Because that transition is often a thing that, that is really tricky for people to, to manage. Isn't mm. it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It was yeah, it's quite a long process now. Looking back on it, and uh, I, I was yeah, impatient and frustrated probably for a lot of it. But uh, yeah, it kind of I did it on the side of the job basically for for a long time. You know, just evenings, weekends, um, you know, Friday afternoons. I just do do whatever I could, and it gradually grew. You know, so it started out I'd just just be doing a bit, and then over time, as you pick up a couple more clients, you're sort of having to do a bit more and a bit more. And then eventually it got to the point where I needed to do something about it. And so I, I was contracting um, at the time and I, I, I said to them, look, is there any way I can drop my days down a bit? And I don't think they usually would, but it was quite interesting. I went in and, and spoke to my manager and he just said to me, why do you want to do that? And I said, because I want to build a photography business and, and do that full time eventually. And it was amazing really because he suddenly like was – really behind it i think because i just told him straight up you know why i wanted what i wanted to do and he started telling me these stories about you know how he'd wanted to do something else and wished he'd done this earlier on and you know wished he'd started a shop of some description and everything and um yeah so they let me go 
they let me go part-time. I went down to three days a week. So I'd sort of do that for three days and then do, do photography for three days, really. Um, and I did that for about just over a year, 13 months, and then kind of got to the point where it seemed like it was time to, to jump ship and uh, go all yeah. in. <laughs> so, so did, did was, you feel uh, like... Yeah, so at that moment, did you feel like you had more leads for new could service in, in the three days that you were dedicated to photography? Is that how you decided? Yeah, I think so. I think it was or a, you just thought, sod it, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no, I think, uh, you know, as an engineer, I think you probably do like to have things kind of calculated as much as possible, which maybe holds me back a bit sometimes. But yeah, I got to the point where... Yeah, I felt like I had a steady flow of work coming in and like I could probably, I could see the next couple of months at least were looking okay. Um, and also I think I probably got a bit too frustrated with the job as well and needed to do something about it. You know, it wasn't, it was having a negative impact on my, my well-being, if you like. Yeah, um, yeah. it so, does yeah, after a while. A, a mix of those two things. Yeah, I think so. When you when you focus shifts so much onto what you really want to do, you're not really concentrating properly, and that's no good for anyone. It's no good for you because you feel like you're maybe not doing as good a job as you should be, and it's no good for for the person you're working for either. Yeah, and you know, I I mentioned before we start recording, I I, I do think there's the 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 power of nice, and I've always thought of you. You know, you're a nice you're a nice guy and it seems like a, a innocuous thing, but I think I wrote in Screwer Let's Play um, about, you know, never underestimate the value of being a nice person to deal with and to do business with. And I remember a guy saying something like, um, well, I think he spontaneously offered it. I don't think I asked him, but he said, you know, we, 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 he gave me a second piece of work and he said, you know, we, we like using you because A, we know you'll do, what we asked and B you're not, you, you're a nice person about it because uh, there may be some fields where you can be a prima donna, you know, if you've got a stunning amount of talent as a, you know, a rock star or something like that, you can be a complete pain in the ass as Elton John admits to in other rock stars. Um, but, but if you, if you're a normal human being, it counts for a lot. And I, I just remember, you know, when we finished coaching, you, brought along a bottle of wine. I think it might have been, wasn't it like named something, wasn't it called? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like Entrepreneurs yeah, something, something or, I can't remember, but it was, yeah, it, was, yeah. it, was it was relevant. It's a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I yeah, think that was a nice yeah. little touch. And I have a feeling you do that throughout your, your work. Is that true? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, I do do that. I sort of, um, I mean, one of the, yeah, sort of write thank you cards and things like that as much as possible. Try to make a bit of a habit of it, and um, yeah, occasionally give people things and, and stuff like that. But I think I think you're right. Like, yeah, a lot of it is well. They say you don't make people by people rather than the actual service. Um, at the end of the day, if you can go in and give someone a good experience because they've chosen to work with you, that counts for an awful lot. You know, it's part of their day. They don't want to have the hassle of dealing with someone that they don't really like being there. And, so, and I've yeah, seen, you know, I've been around some photographers who are not too nice. And, uh, you know, there, there are some famous wedding photographers who kind of yell at everybody and just, just okay, they're trying, <laughs> yeah. they're feeling the stress that they need to get a good 
um, they need to get a good photo. So I understand that. And I was at one wedding where I was doing the video and um, they would, the professional photographer was doing the photos. And at one point she just kind of like elbowed me out of the way. I mean, just like, just like a kind of rugby, rugby tackle move. And it was just, I, I didn't know what I was doing because I'm looking for the lens <laughs> and obviously I was in her way, but it was just like, you know, punt. Um, and there's a, she, it wouldn't matter if that was just about getting the photos and then she apologized and stuff like that, but that was just the way she was. And she rubbed up a few people when she was getting them to pose as well. And so it really matters, this stuff. I like the, the fact that you said that you, you actually send people thank you notes. So I know you said that very briefly, but what do you actually do? So at the end of a job, is this what you do? Uh, no, no, not always. It's just, I don't know, as it feels appropriate, I suppose. Um, I'll send someone a, a thank you note. I mean, it's, it's a mixture between, yeah, I mean, when, when I did, when I brought you that bottle of wine, I'd never really had any other coaching apart from yourself. So it was just, I felt like the right thing to do. But also, I've, you know, I've, I've heard from other people and, and coaches that I have that, you know, it's also a good thing to do to send the odd thank you note and stuff. So, yeah, I try and uh, try and do it where I can. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Do you handwrite them or do you send them by email? Oh no, handwrite them. Yeah, I've got some. I've, I mean, I've got some printed cards. I'll show you one. That I sometimes use. So they're like, uh, <laughs> wow, they're a bit, a bit branded. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. I mean, classy. It, it seems like such a small detail, right? But you, you would, when you get nobody sends things in the post anymore. Nobody handwrites things except for birthday cards. So it has a really personal touch. And these things, like when somebody does it and you get a handwritten card from somebody, you really remember them. It's, it's, a, it's a small thing, but it's, um, it's great. And, and this is what, you know, most people think the world is full of photographers and, or full of whatever it is, whatever field you're going into. And it's so competitive, how could you ever survive? Well, how many photographers are writing handwritten thank you notes when they feel inspired to do it or because you're not doing it necessarily every time or how many people buy a bottle of wine for somebody who's been coaching them it's like um they're not doing that and they're just panicking about how they can get enough work but there are these things you can do like being a good person on the job turning up on time uh doing what people want noticing but you know and saying thank you it it really counts for a lot yeah absolutely and i think I think yeah, people shouldn't underestimate the amount of value that 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 gives to people, doesn't it? You know, you say people talk about giving value the whole time, and a large part of that is, like you say, just turning up on time and not making them wait for a quarter of an hour, and just yeah, being polite and being yeah, being a nice person to be around. I don't know if you read the book um, The Go Giver, no, by Bob Berg. Right, no, it's a really good book. Okay, it's really good. Um, yeah, I recommend that. Um, but yeah, that's all, all about kind of giving value, and he makes he makes that point really that it doesn't have to be a thing or a stuff or anything like that. It can just be something simple like turning up on time. So, yeah, yeah there's uh, um, I, and one of my favourite films and favourite audiobooks of recent years is uh, Supermensch by um, Shep Gordon, who's an agent in Hollywood. And it's just, it's one of the only films I've watched about three times. I don't re- normally rewatch films. 
And he's he's got so many great stories about the 60s and 70s music scene and the crazy things that happened to him. Um, and But he ran his whole business on this concept of just having personal relationships. If somebody does you a favour, you know, you will do them a favour. So if somebody did him a really big favour, he, he like his whole currency was favours, then he would remember. And then if somebody called me and he goes like, I'm, I'm going to do whatever you ask. And it, yeah, it, yeah. doing things where like he said, I think Mike Myers or somebody, some celebrity was having a really hard time. And Shep Gordon was now living in Hawaii in a beautiful mansion. And it was, you know, plenty of space for guests. And he said, just come and move in, stay as long as you want. And he ended up staying a month or two or something, recovering from some heartbreak, I think. Um, and, uh, and it's just, it's that kind of thing that, uh, yeah, you can, you can run an entire, uh, business on that basis. In fact, he never, Chef Gordon's amazing because he never even signed contracts for people. He managed Alice Cooper for 30 years. They both became multimillionaires and never signed a, a legal contract between them. But no, really? I'm not sure that's oh, always that's a good cool. idea. Like I, yeah, I know. He says sometimes that stood against like that. him. Sometimes that stood against him because some people did move on and then like he didn't have any residual rights. Um, so it's fine while you're in an ongoing relationship. Uh, and I, I'm not a, uh, I don't want to persuade people they don't need contracts, but it was, it's a great story. And it made me, you made me think of it. So, um, so if people want to find out more about what you do, in case you want to see more of your, work kind of curious what kind of stuff you do it's um what's the website uh dunbarkerstudios.com cool um and i'm also on linkedin quite a lot so look me up on there Uh, that's probably my main social media platform yeah i was done back on there and i'm i'm connected with you on linkedin aren't i so people will be able to see i think so yeah if if anyone's connected to me they'll be able to find you fairly easily and so you've did a little kind of guide for photographers, was it, uh, about starting their own business? Yeah, so I did a talk at the art college um, near me in Hereford back at the beginning of the year. And, yeah, they wanted me to talk more about sort of running the business aspect because I think in the art college they kind of get taught, you know, all about the art side, obviously, and not quite enough about the business side. And um, so they invited me in to do a talk. So I put together a little PDF of kind of some of the lessons that I've learned through starting my own business. And um, yeah, I've put that on a link for for your listeners if, if they find that interesting, which is at danbarkstudios.com forward slash ideas lab. Okay, great. So we'll put that link on the website, uh, on the show notes as well. So people go to the ideaslab.org slash podcast. You can find all the notes. And, uh, but that's standbarkerstudios.com slash ideas lab. And is that a guy specifically for photographers or just for creatives in general? Uh, yeah, it's probably, it probably creatives in general, you know, it's, it's from my experience. So it's kind of a little bit more, you know, photography tailored if you like, but, um, but I think it would apply to lots of different creatives and, uh, and people from all areas. Good. Okay. Well, it's been great to, see the evolution of your business and uh i'm glad <laughs> well no see, yeah <laughs> yeah it's been quite a few years i think yeah yeah i think uh i think we, we, we did that coaching about four years ago i think didn't we did so um right it's yeah. uh yeah it's funny i was i remember at that time when you, you helped me to build the website and everything um but well, not in terms of building it but guiding mm. me through 
what actually looked good. And I was perching on the end of someone's, there's someone in the space here who used to do fabric printing, screen printing. And I was sort of perching on the end of their table. And now I've got sort of three quarters of the, the area up here, which is getting on for a thousand square feet. So wow. it's, uh, it's good. But I was just, just really grateful to uh, have picked up your book at that time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, the motivation that I got from it and also the, the, the coaching that you did with me because it was, uh, yeah, set me in the right direction. <laughs> well, uh, and, uh, and thanks for sharing your story, which now, you know, some of what we've, we've said and some, some other details are captured in a new version of Screw Work, Let's Play, which, as I mentioned, is yeah. called Fuck Work, Let's Play. People have probably heard me talking about this already. And that's coming out August the 30th. So, and I think you're in the chapter, which is about making your first play check, but I can't remember. Can you, <laughs> can you remember what chapter you're in? No, no, I don't, <laughs> no. I don't remember. No, no. So I think it's uh, about no, that though. You. Or it's Very about exciting. going full time, one or the other. So, um, but it's about that because I think this is a really interesting story you've told us about how you go from completely unrelated full time business to doing what you really want to do and making a success of it, having your own studio and everything. So, thanks, Dan. It's been brilliant. No, thank you, John. It's been uh, yeah, good to catch up, and uh, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could leave us a review. You can get links and details of everything mentioned in the podcast in the show notes, along with photos and video clips from many of our episodes. Just go to theideaslab.org forward slash podcast.